Hi, everyone, and welcome to Empowering the Opposition. My name is Lexi Wilson. I'm a licensed master social worker. And my name is Dr. Nafis Alam, and our topic today will be spirituality and religion. Lexi, you've been looking into a bunch of different religions that uh, and what they believe and what their positions are, how long they've been around, um, and it's clearly an interesting topic for the both of us. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know, I've always been drawn to spirituality and just learning more about, um, you know, religions around the world, what they believe. Um, And I don't know, it's just kind of something that I've always been curious about and just learning more about from people. Mm -hmm. So I thought today it would just be kind of interesting to learn a little bit more about um, different world religions and yeah to just kind of maybe learn some things that I had you know none of us had really known um, and to kind of start off what I was initially curious of was just the um, geographical makeup of world religions mm-hmm. and um, the best thing I could find um, was a statistic from 2015 from the Pew Research Center and it talks about the largest religious groups in mm-hmm. the entire world. And um, this is what they came up with. So 2.3 billion people in 2015 um, considered themselves Christian, mm-hmm. 1.8 billion Muslims, 1.2 unaffiliated, 1.1 billion Hindu, 0.5 billion Buddhists, 0.4 folk religion, Point one other religions and point zero one so one percent um, Jews and so yeah I just thought that was kind of interesting to I had never really thought about like the geographical makeup of the world and um, what percentage people um, were of these different religions yeah and religious identification also differs from location to location so the way that I was raised. Um, despite the fact that I myself am not Muslim, my parents still believe that I am because their opinion or their mindset, or my mom specifically, her mindset is that you are the religion that you were born into as though it's part of your DNA, as though it's blood. Mm, Versus others like myself who, like, I don't identify as Muslim. I'm agnostic, uh, which is... A religion in and of itself, we're going to be talking a little bit about agnosticism and atheism today as well. And I consider myself agnostic despite the fact that many people around the world would either see my last name or understand my parents' religions, mm-hmm. religion and believe my religion to be the same. So it also differs how your religious affiliation is determined. Do you determine it or do... Does your lineage determine it? And it differs from, you know, location to location. I know my religious journey was, you know, I love telling this story because it's one of those things where, you know, it's one of those, with religion and spirituality, faith is a prerequisite, right? Mm. It's not always something that you can see in front of you. And it's always something that that you, you have to sort of believe in. And then you'd see the proof instead of seeing the proof and then believing in it. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've always been of the mindset that I don't believe something that I don't first see the proof of. And one of the first questions that I remember asking, you know, once I was able to understand and comprehend and things like that, 
I would ask my mom, like, you know, how long did it take to create the universe? Like, and she would say, well, the God made the universe, or mm-hmm. Allah, Allah made the made the universe. So I would ask, like, how long did it take? It was really, she was like, I think it was the five days was mm-hmm. the answer in the Muslim religion. I think in Christianity it's mm-hmm. seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Seven days. So my follow-up question was, where? Five mm-hmm. days where? If Earth doesn't exist, how are you measuring a day? Right? Because a day is one revolution of Earth around mm-hmm. its own axis. Mm-hmm. And if the universe is yet being built, then how are you measuring a day? Mm-hmm. And furthermore, there are places like Venus, for example. Venus's year is shorter than its day because it travels around the sun quicker than it travels around its own axis. Yeah. Which means one day in Venus is longer than one year in Venus. So, essenti- so essentially how we define time or days um, could actually be very different from the reality. Yeah, um, so that yeah. would be my question in Christianity too. And mm-hmm. this isn't in any way to challenge religion or anything I mean, like this that. is your own story. Yeah. And this is, and I absolutely think it's just, it's great to be able to share these kind of questions that we have and, and kind of how we got to where we are. So yeah, I think that's a, a great thing to share. I think with, uh, with Christianity or is- Islam, whatever it is, you know, any religion that has like a time of how long it took to create the universe, for example, you know, that usually tends to be the first question that that comes to mind. But like if we're going to empower the opposition, I can't pretend to always be obviously in the right. Most of the time I'm not in the right. And the idea here isn't necessarily days, right? It could, in fact, be what God or the Creator considered to be days, which in human years or human time could have been billions of years, which would make perfect sense. It would jive well with mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the theory of the Big Bang, mm-hmm. uh, which actually still remains a theory, even though it's more or less been proven. You know, so it's... Uh, How did you... I guess I'm curious is when... At what point did you kind of decide to start questioning things and and shifting your viewpoints more towards an atheist agnostic viewpoint i think i've always been a rebel when it comes to this <laughs> kind of stuff so mm-hmm. as soon as i was being told that i have to pray that i have to believe in something and i wasn't seeing anything in front of me that no proof or anything like that mm-hmm. it's not like it was more it, logical for you yeah, yeah. It, well it was illogical for me Religion. It was it was illogical, but yeah. but the reason as to why you changed was because the lack of logic. Because of logic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my my thinking was that like if it doesn't make logical sense, then how can I say that it is actually true? But this is where I have beef with atheists too. So like I'm sure I'll make mm-hmm. enemies all over the place today. <laughs> you know. So being an agnostic, it usually turns people off who are who are religious like you know people who follow christianity or muslim uh, or, or islam or buddhism or hinduism or judaism but then you know just to throw this at atheists they're in my opinion a religious group too because think about the faith that you need to have to believe that god exists or religion exists you'd have to have the same amount of faith as in illogical belief in something that has not yet been proven to say that God does not exist. Yeah. So in it, yeah. In itself, I mean, it definitely could be considered its own, you know, 
not necessarily religion, but a a train of thought, mm-hmm. you know, that people follow and um, sort of attend to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really really interesting. I think with religion, though, it, what I failed to see and failed past tense and probably present tense too is that a religion is a lot more than god and angels and things like that it brings communities together it teaches values to be perfectly honest with you despite the fact that i don't identify as muslim i can whether i like it or not I am the product, partially, of some Muslim teachings, Mm -hmm. as in some of the lessons that I learned. There was one lesson that I learned about just protecting life. For example, Mm -hmm. you know, I was taught that Muhammad was protected by a spider Mm -hmm. from, like, enemies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we're supposed to see spiders in, like, a positive light. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's the appreciation of insect life. So, like... Which is life too, you know, mm-hmm. it's not demeaning to any life. But it, it teaches you lessons that are underlying. And I, I'm certainly the product of that, even though at this time I am agnostic. I can't pretend that I haven't been influenced by mm-hmm. religion, positively and negatively. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, I've had, you know, a, a different experience with religion. I think, actually, I know ever since I was young, I always felt a, I don't know, I've always felt this sort of connection and faith and like yearning for something more and feeling something more. So I, I grew up in the Catholic church um, and I went, you know, every Sunday with my mom and my sister and my sister and I would beat each other up in the pews and my mom would have to like tell us to shut up you know and taking the lord's name oh in vain. <laughs> oh gosh oh yeah and that was kind of the beginning of like how where my faith journey i guess kind of came from um and just going to you know those little camps and um as i got older you know, I started questioning things more, but not really, not that I've never really questioned that God wasn't there. I've always, mm. I've always just questioned like why things happen. Mm. I don't know. I've always had this sense of like certainty within my own life that he does exist. And, um, and when, once I got to college or my undergrad, I, um, explored my faith quite a bit more and went on mission trips and became a part of a church up there and, you know, read the Bible a lot more and really delved into my faith more. And it really became, um, a pretty big part of who I was. Mm. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, you know, really for the world. And once I started grad school, I just, you know, it kind of went on the back burner for me, but it's still something that's really important to me and something I want to continue to explore, um, you know, within myself and, I don't know. I've just seen a lot of crazy stuff in my life and a lot of coincidences and um, circumstances that I just can't explain, Mm -hmm. even even with knowledge of science and psychology and understanding of so many different things. I don't know. I've I just always felt this like sense of like peace and comfort. um, And that that's just kind of been my journey Um, and that by itself is valuable the sense of mm -hmm. peace and comfort the Mm -hmm. sense of purpose um 
even if it turns out that there is no God or religion or anything like that, you still reap the benefits of believing. And you can't, that cannot be discounted. Mm -hmm. So you can make an argument that religion does not have to have an end game in order for it to be valuable now. Mm. You know, and it's the weirdest thing when I tell people this, but even though I'm agnostic, I do pray to God. And Mm. the only reason I do is actually like painfully logical, so much so (laughs) that people would. The logic behind it is that I pray. Even though I don't know that there is a God, mm-hmm. because I am agnostic, I can't prove it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it, it's not, yeah. you know, it's, until it's proven, it's not real to me. But I pray to hedge. <laughs> <laughs> to just right. save your ass yeah, if exactly, something exactly. <laughs> I pray to hedge. And I, you know, I say it, you know, the way that I pray and yeah. stuff like that. I actually say, if you exist, I just want to make sure that we're good, you know. <laughs> Be like, please. Yeah, and I'll ask for things. And, you know, like yourself, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of great things have happened in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder to myself about, you know, why bad things happen too. Yeah, yes. But then, like, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things, like, where s- some bad things need to happen mm-hmm. so that worse things don't, mm-hmm. you know? I, I completely agree with that. And I, I don't know about, you know, any of you listening um, or even like Unifis, when I feel like it's times when shit hits the fan and life's horrible, when you're like, wow, maybe, maybe there is something or, you know, you really start to possibly search for more or yearn mm-hmm. from yearn for more, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and it, it is interesting, at least in my life, I can only speak to my experience, but when things are going really good, I'm like, you know, I'm so busy, blah. And, but then when life just, hits you like a semi truck you're like oh shit i need i i need something more in my life and it's just interesting how when life kind of turns the tables on you you begin to kind of question those things and it is comforting to think that those who have been close to you if they've passed then they're at least alive somewhere Mm -hmm. maybe watching upon you or something like that or you know, guiding the way for you. Mm-hmm. So this way, you know, you stay safe. It's a comforting feeling to have because death is real. There's nothing agnostic about death. It's yeah, death, death is very real. Yeah. So what happens when people die? Like, you know, if I had the answer to that, I'd, you know, I'd be Nobody a billionaire. Knows, yeah. but, um, but the idea here is that death happens, but one of the ways that we're comforted with a loved one's passing is through the belief that there is more to life than just life itself here. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that is the case. Maybe that is the case. And you know, if we're empowering the opposition, we, we must consider all viewpoints. And maybe that is the case. And maybe this is just, you know, uh, one of the laps that we run, you know, mm-hmm. if you believe in reincarnation, maybe mm-hmm. you'll come back as a different kind of being dependent on you know, how, how you've behaved here. That's more Hinduism. Mm -hmm. Um, if you believe in like a heaven or hell, then it's about behaving and about justice. Right. Exactly. And then on the flip side, maybe there's nothing, maybe after death, it's just, you know, fade to black, like turning off a TV and there's just nothing on Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, but both would give us enough to say that life is worthwhile whether life is worthwhile because of what happens after it or what life is worthwhile because of what happens during it. 
life is always worthwhile because, you know, in the second exam, in the latter example, let's say life is all there is and our, you know, what average is 77, 76 years that we have to live. There's, let's say that there is no afterlife. We can't say that it's meaningless because we've still left an impact on children, on future generations, on mm -hmm. whoever it may be. Yet for our loved ones, it's comforting to them to believe that we are somewhere and not just mm -hmm. over. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a really good point. And there is a lot of benefits and comfort that, you know, different religions have and spirituality has, right? You have, as Nafis kind of spoke to earlier about, you know, community, you know, um, you have service, people who are willing to serve their community to volunteer. You have, um, you know, sort of this giving mentality, this um, focus and centra central interest on love. Really, if you look across most religions, compassion, kindness, um, and then also, uh, uh, you know, uh, empowering the opposition. We also see that, you know, so many wars throughout history mm -hmm. have been because of religion and many thousands and thousands of people have died as a result of this. We see, you know, so many needless fights and wars over ideology, theology, um, when in reality, the central tenets of probably both of those religions have been largely ignored <laughs> just yeah. to prove, you know, I'm right. So I think it's important to kind of speak to both of those things. So it's, you know, so far, you're right. We have been talking about the pros of religion. Um, indeed, you know, religious differences have been the precursor for many conflicts, violent mm -hmm. conflicts, historically. You need only go to the Middle East and Palestine, Jerusalem, uh -huh. and all these Middle Eastern conflicts to see where this comes from. And, you know, if we are to empower the opposition, then we also have to take into account the idea that maybe these conflicts are good. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that they're not all bad, which, you know, I think you and I both might, you know, believe that. But what is the op opposing viewpoint of that? If we were to say that these conflicts, these religious wars are good, then we would have to be doing so in such a way that we're painting religion as such a major thing in one's life that you'd have to die for it or fight for it physically mm. in order for it to be real to you. Mm. And those who are not willing to fight for it might not be true believers and mm, that yeah. might be a rubric for seeing who truly is mm -hmm. religiously privileged i guess or religious has religious advantages in yeah. that sense and there's multiple religions that do state that you know if you're if you're not willing to you know really sacrifice your life for another person or even your religion then you know are you really a follower and that's mm -hmm. kind of across multiple um religions yeah so, and that's another reason why i don't feel like i am Religious, I don't even think I would give up my life for myself, which doesn't make sense because that's, yeah, how would you do <laughs> for that? For myself, I'm yeah, no. not exactly sure how that would work. No, but. yeah, I, uh, yeah, I guess, like, I, I see the point because it's, it's again, it, it goes back to community. Your community, you're such a big fan and, and you know, a uh, big proponent of your community that you're willing to do the best things and the worst things for the benefit of that community. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a deficit or maybe it's a surplus on my end. You know, mm -hmm. I can't be the judge of that, yeah. obviously. 
but I just don't feel that way about anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. And also, too, I'd like to speak to a couple things in regards to some of the harm, you know, outside of wars, right? I have a couple friends who have been extremely harmed um, from religion um, because of different aspects of, you know, life choices they've made um, or just different aspects of who they are just as a human being. Um, And that has really caused a lot of harm um, to them because of rejection from, you know, their religion, their families. Um, And so we know the you know psychological impact of being ostracized mm-hmm. from groups that you've grown up with your family um and so i think yeah it's, it's 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 important to point out you know those things as well however you know nonetheless i i just think religion and spirituality is so interesting and and it's something that people are so uncomfortable talking about when mm-hmm. in reality like it's fascinating stuff you know, even like within social work, it's just something that's not really discussed in the curriculum. Mm. And which, which I think, you know, is, it, it could be definitely discussed more because spirituality is a huge part of many people's lives, regardless of whatever that looks like for them. And it's something that, you know, can be very important in who they are. Yeah. And, well, we could certainly do a better job of mm. custom tailoring intervention mod models Mm -hmm. to fit someone's individual spirituality and religion but in empowering the opposition and considering the opposing viewpoint that would mean that every individual gets their own unique service plan which would be very like unrealistic to be able to sustain Mm -hmm. and train professionals on too Mm -hmm. i think also though there's the ability to have a basic understanding of different beliefs right like within curriculum we teach a lot about you know different cultural values of different groups um you know which can be you know very different but we don't really discuss that much about different you know religious views which could be very you know beneficial to add in there yeah um but i think it'd be interesting nafis and i were just kind of looking at this long list of um different religions and a lot of them honestly i haven't even really heard of Mm -hmm. but it'd be kind of interesting to just kind of go through some of them and talk about them yeah Uh, well i've already talked about atheism yeah we've talked about that we talked about christianity a little bit islam um what i kind of want to cover a little bit too is buddhism and hinduism Mm -hmm. i really don't know too much about it like Mm -hmm. i know like the basics so i think that'd be kind of interesting to talk about um so I think this first one, oh yeah, so this is Buddhism. Mm. So it says there's 360 million adherents approximately worldwide, but mm. I don't know how up to date this is. So um, it was founded 520 BC in India. Mm. Um, they believe in many gods. Um, Buddha taught that nothing is permanent. So it's polytheistic. Yeah, polytheistic. Um The human situation and life purpose is Mm. to avoid suffering and gain enlightenment and release from the cycle of rebirth or at least attain a better rebirth. Mm. Afterlife is the reincarnation, which we had discussed a little bit, um, until someone gains enlightenment. And Mm. then some practices are meditation, mantras, devotion to deities. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not really sure about the difference between Hindu. Okay, here's Hinduism. Um, Hinduism has 900 million adherents, also indigenous to India. There's one supreme reality, also polytheistic. Mm -hmm. 
Um, human, they believe humans are in bondage to ignorance and illusion, but are able to escape purpose and gain release. Afterlife reincarnation to gain enlightenment, um, practices yoga, meditation, worship, devotion. Well, they're both in search of enlightenment. Um, they, bo- they both are, you know, polytheistic and, mm. you know, they're... What's the difference? Well, I, I would think that the dis- difference would be the practice, you know? it's oh. Yeah, because Hinduism, and then not everything is listed here. So Buddhists tend often to be veg- vegetarians or vegan. Hindu, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hinduism is all about, you know, respecting cows. So they won't yes, eat beef, yeah. but they'll... Because you know, they're reincarnated people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there are, even though you can't summarize a religion in one, two, three, four, five, six little, you know, columns here, right? Yeah. So, so even though here it may seem similar, there are underlying differences. You'd be surprised to find that Islam and Judaism has a have a great deal of similarities too. And so does Christianity too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting looking at all the the similarities between them. Um is it is it true in Islam that they they saw Jesus as a prophet or not? Yeah. They yeah, do. yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. They see Jesus as a prophet, a but prophet. Muhammad as the prophet. The prophet. Mm-hmm. And was Muhammad? I this this is just Q and A because I yeah, no, I don't know funny. that much about it. Was was Muhammad? Was he there after? Like, was he born during the time like after Jesus or like before? Or? Oh, that I actually don't know. Yeah, um, I yeah, don't know. I I, don't I have know. no idea either. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but you know, all of the religions, like the the. The oldest religion is Judaism. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everything branched from there. Judaism. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting thing to also think about in, you know, interreligious affairs is that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, if everything started with Judaism, then you might have an argument s- suggesting that that is the true religion. Since that was there the longest. Right. And what's also but, interesting is... Yeah. Um, Jesus was like quoted as king of the Jews, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. What about what about in Islam? Was there any like? It's Muhammad. Rec- Muhammad, yeah, yeah. 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 And like it's, but then the opposing viewpoint of Judaism being the religion is that, you know, over the course of time, you could make an argument that, you know, Judaism lost its way and it had to branch out of into other religions so that um, it could maintain yeah. its original. Well, they're like point. 0.2% of the world's religion now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're like not even a bar on here almost. What's interesting. Yeah. Huh. I, didn't, then, I thought they were larger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I thought they were larger too, but I think like the pockets of certain communities, they yeah. are larger. Yeah, that's true. That's but we've true. also got some other... Interesting like, ones. Yeah. Okay, Satanism. I got it. Satanism. Yeah, we, got, we can talk about that. We can talk about the New Age, too, which is oh, yeah. so interesting. Okay, I got to talk about the New Age. Yeah. Because that's, that's been a new thing lately. So, like, the New Age religion is, like, something that's come about within the past, like, five, ten years. Um, where is it on here? Oh, here it is. And so it's, I actually see it a lot on TikTok, which Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting, but it's really geared around like astrology, mysticism, yoga, crystals, tarot readings, holistic medicine, psychic, angels, communication, fortune telling. Um, And I didn't know this, but they believe in reincarnation based on karma, which is interesting. Interesting. It's all about consciousness, international peace. Um, they, They can... 
ascend, um, more emphasis on later than now. Divine is an impersonal, the divine is an impersonal life force that pervades all things. Yeah, I've noticed this becoming a really huge thing within the past like couple years, which is in, which is very interesting because it's so new. <laughs> yeah, with astrology and crystals and yoga, everyone knows this person. <laughs> yeah, every I feel like I know all of these people. I know, I know them yeah. all. I could literally name them all. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's interesting that that is the new. I didn't know that that's what it was called. Yeah, it's new called age religion. New age. Yeah. Yeah, but like. If it's if we're gonna empower the opposition again, right? Is it is New Age religion just uh, taking bits and pieces from existing religions? Yeah, like taking all the good things that yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that could be. Yeah, and then let's see. Oh, Scientology. Scientology. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if any of you have seen some of the documentaries. I highly suggest. I think they're super interesting. So. I, L. Ron Hubbard was like the founder of this, and he um, basically wrote more science fiction novels than like any American writer ever in the history of like the United States. And and so I just I was super interested in learning more about this. And um, Leah Remening, Remening, yep, yeah, I don't I can't remember her last name. Yeah, she talks a lot about her experiences within Scientology, and they had like this ship. Um, called the something board. I can't remember, but it was basically the ship and they would kind of like take the ship all around the world. And there's just so many things. Mm. It's, it's very, very interesting. And like, it's a pay to play kind of thing. So, and then you can get up to, I think the highest level is like OT8, I think. Okay. Yeah, don't quote me on that, but it's like OTA, it's like the highest level and you and you get to know all the secrets, but then they do this thing also called auditing. Mm-hmm. So basically they put you on this like kind of interesting little lie detector. It's basically like confession, mm-hmm. but they record it all and they they've been known to like use it against people when they try to leave, so they did that to like Lena Remening and mm. other famous. But then you have like other famous people like Brad Pitt and um, there's something drawing celebrities to this religion. I just wonder what it is. Oh, really? I think I know what it is. What? They're treated like a god. Oh, okay. They're absolutely treated like a god. They're treated like hmm. royalty. So you're saying that they, this... It's, it's like they're worshiping themselves. That's why I think they enjoy it. Ah. Yeah. So this is the religion that allows them to them be... Them to be god. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they treat them literally like a king or queen. Um, and... Because I was curious about that too. I'm like, why this religion? But um, yeah, I, I think it's it, it, it was Brad. It was Brad Pitt, I believe, and he he was like about to get married, um, and they were talking about how like they basically were setting everything up. They were trying to set him up with all these women, and you know they they kind of used him as a pawn sort of to like Mm -hmm. get people to join join the church Mm -hmm. but like they would just like worship him do whatever they wanted like Mm -hmm. very basically he essentially became a god of their religion a spokesperson so that's why they love celebrities they love celebrities so much they have their own um or they have their own 
um, building called the Celebrity Center. And hmm. Yeah, so it's only for celebrities. <laughs> okay. And basically, yeah, they just get treated like royalty and pampered. And so that's why they, they love it. Because... So if we're going to paint this in a negative light, we also have to paint it in a positive light, don't mm-hmm. we? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe celebrities do know what's best. Maybe, you know, because of the access that they have, maybe, you know, uh, of who they are and all the experiences that they've had the money and the fame to to get to experience maybe they know what's best for the population i'm not saying that they do but yeah. if we are going to entertain opposing viewpoints then we have to understand that there is a viewpoint that suggests that celebrities know what's best and and, and also like understanding too like with any religion right there's not all right or wrong right like there are attractive things about any religion and and with scientology in particular a lot of people who are in it or who had left had said that you know the community was so strong and mm. was family and that was super important to them and so there you know there was you know good as far as that community feeling like you know you're becoming a better person you're giving you're volunteering you know you're doing all those things and so yeah, I think there's, you know, there's reasons why people people are attracted to, you know, these different types of religions. Yeah. But yeah, I was just saying stuff I had mentioned. I had seen from the documentary. No, that is that's definitely yeah. interesting. Satanism has always been interesting to me as just the idea of essentially just I guess devil worshipping, right? That would be mm-hmm. like a synonymous with that and just here it says atheist or agnostic um church of satan doesn't make membership numbers but how can you be atheist or agnostic if you acknowledge and worship i think that's that's the thing so agnostic is the ultimate like neutrality in that like you're not saying yes or no but i wonder to myself who is who is putting these lists together so someone who may be highly religious may think of atheists and agnostics as being Satanists because they you know, refuse to play the game, for example. Yeah, but there's, I mean, Satanism is an actual religion with, yeah. I mean, it even says here, you know, nine statements, rituals, all, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things. And so that, yeah, that doesn't really make sense to no, me because it, they are, they are ritual, you know. Maybe the lack something. of religion is the religion yeah, and maybe the lack of religion is the religion of Satanism. I don't know. It's it's interesting to look at. Uh, Stoicism was also one of yeah. My I there. where is that one? I that one was. Oh, here it is. Yeah, yeah. Let's read this one. So yeah. <laughs> I had b- before the podcast, I had saw Stoicism, and I was like, Oh, Nafis, here's one for you. There you go. <laughs> um, so the adherence to so- Stoicism worldwide is unknown. Its origins. Um, date back to Zeno in C313 BC, Athens. Um, Gods of the universe, pantheism. The logos pervades the universe. I don't even know. Does pan mean many? I think yeah. Many. Yeah. But then you, poly also means many. So yeah. I don't really know the difference. Um, the purpose is happiness achieved by virtue, living reasonably. Um, afterlife, possible continued existence of the soul, but not a personal existence. Practices, ethical and philosophical training, mm-hmm. self-reflection, careful judgment, and inner calm. Text, fragments of founders plus later writers like... Marcus Aurelius, who I've read quite extensively. And yeah, it is the idea of just the inner calm. 
to the point where inner peace yeah, yeah. and it, it, to the to the point where it would sometimes appear as though you just have no affect whatsoever like you're just bland mm. and it, it, it's essentially the idea that the highs are lower and the lows are higher hmm. that's it you know it's not that you don't get too too happy too too hyped up but you also don't get too too down on yourself either interesting yeah there's just so many here. I know. I mean, we we this would be like a two or three hour podcast yeah. if we go through all of Ooh, these. Ooh, Rastafari. Can I, we just have yeah. to? I'm so curious because sure. I don't really know much about Rastafari. So it's the teachings of Marcus Garvey in the 1920s Jamaica. Um, approximate world adherence, one million. God is Jah, who became mm-hmm. an incarnate in Jesus, who is black. And I'm sure I'm mispronouncing this. And hell... Selassie. Human situation and life purpose. Humans are temples of jaw. Salvation is primarily in this world and consists of liberation from oppression and return to Africa. Afterlife. Some Rastas will experience ever-living physical immortality. Heaven is a return to Eden, which is in Africa. Practices. Many practices based on Jewish biblical law. Abstinence from most or all meat, artificial foods, and alcohol. Use of marijuana in religious rituals and for medicine. Wearing of dreadlocks. Text. Holy Pibi, the Bachman's Bible. The Ethiopian epic. Kebra Nagast, also revered. Interesting. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, especially the Jewish biblical law. That was yeah. uh, pretty interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. This is this tells you everything you need to know as far as how much overlap there is and how much... So much. Yeah. Inter, yeah. Intercommunication there has been between religious groups influencing each other's growth um so it's really interesting in that sense i think ultimately you know we've talked about religions but we've also talked about spirituality and you can be perfectly spiritual without Mm -hmm. adhering to any kind of religion i think that that's where i would fall just being Mm -hmm. agnostic and that i am religiously agnostic and i'm only praying to hedge right just in case there (laughs) is so in essence i guess I, i would like you could consider me somewhat spiritual, spiritual? in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and just the idea of like comfort, being comforted by the idea that people who have passed could potentially be there, just like looking over you, and mm-hmm. you know, it sort of cushions the blow. Especially, you know, as I get older, my parents get older. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. life and life is going to happen, and death is going to happen. Yeah. So it's certainly comforting for us to think that... To have that hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just the idea that um, that we'll, you know, we'll, we're all going to p- pass at some point. And those who are being left behind as we pass need to find comfort somehow. Mm-hmm. And for some, spirituality is the answer. Not mm-hmm. necessarily religion, but spirituality mm-hmm. in believing that there's something more mm-hmm. than just the life that we're living here. Yeah. Right now. And also to be said to one thing um, that I think is pretty interesting and kind of more of what I'm attracted to as far as religion is a lot of people, um, you know, really follow like religion and ceremonies and stuff like that, um, traditions, which I think are wonderful. But um, I think also too, I think relationship is something that I kind of am drawn more towards like a personal relationship with God rather than this like a barrier that I have to like do this and then this and then 
not do this and then maybe I can be good enough to have a relationship like mm-hmm. I don't know I think um that's something that is um very intriguing to me and like the merit-based yeah not yeah well not merit-based like I I feel like God at least in in my opinion like wherever everyone's at whether you're like at your highest or your lowest doesn't matter what you do or don't do I think I think God would want a relationship not just like you have to do this and that yeah. and then we can have you know what i mean i don't know that's I'm just not, well that's my interpretation too yeah. and this is my, my my what i've said to like people who think that i should be more religious is that if there is a god would this god be more ecstatic about me praying five times a day or would this god be more ecstatic over me being good to you know, men and women around, like, the planet. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, is is service to the community valued more than mm-hmm. prayer to the deity? Mm. And, you know, in that response, my subsequent response is that if there is a God, and let's assume that there is, if God is happier with people praying to God than doing God's work... Mm-hmm. And that's not a God that I, I want to, mm. you know, be affiliated yeah. with. And there and I think there's an argument to be made in that too, if that, if those who do have like a relationship with God or are, you know, I don't know, like the relationship, you know, is important to them, but there are no works, like there's no fruit from what they say that they worship, then do they really have a relationship you know I've always I've always kind of you know there's this personal relationship that people have with you know the god they believe in right whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like or doesn't look like um and then there's also how they interact with the world around them how they interact with those who can do nothing for them right exactly and sometimes most of the time actually all the time I believe that how we treat those who can do nothing for us says a lot more about us than anything we say, what church we attend, what service we attend. How, how do we treat those who who can't do anything for us? Yeah, it's true. And like, it's, it's very easy to treat well the people that can do much for you mm-hmm. because you have ulterior motives and you want to get in good with that particular group or person. Mm-hmm. But those who can do nothing for you do you see value in them? And mm-hmm. if you don't, then... Yeah. Well, again, if we're going to empower the opposition, <laughs> right? It, maybe they don't have value because they don't have value like you. And that's, a, you know, that, that's an understandable position to have in that if you're only going to respect those who have equal or greater value, mm-hmm. however you define value, than yourself. But I'm of the opinion, of, of the other opinion, in yeah. that, like, you know, those who don't have don't have don't appear to have value might actually have more value than you realize just because of the fact that it's a test you know it's sort of like you know your waiter or waitress mm. like how do you treat this person do you treat them yeah. like you know they're serving you do you treat them like you know they're just a part of the mm. restaurant system or do you do you actually say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. When they ask you, how are you doing? And you mm-hmm. say, yeah, I'll have this. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's a, it's a good metric too that I've noticed whenever I go out to dinners or lunches, mm-hmm. you know, to see how the people around me will treat the waiters and waitresses. And yeah. I'll see that happen all the time. The waitress will be like, oh, how are you doing, sir? And then instead of answering the question, we're like, oh, I'll have this. Mm-hmm. I was like, that, that wasn't the question. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. No, I would get that all the time when I was a server. Like, you learn a lot about people who think that they're more worthy or have more inherent value than you. But I'm of the opinion, and I always will be, that everyone has the same inherent human value. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you've been through, what you do. Value is an inherent human quality, um, and and that can't be taken away or changed. But I think some people like to feel better. Yeah. They, they like to feel better than others. They... Um, and so therefore they'll, they'll treat those who can do nothing for them horribly and badly. And I'm sure we've all experienced that at some point in our life, right? It's a good lesson because it helps you to see, okay, like we all have value. Yeah. And And wherever we stand, all that's important is that we understand that not everybody stands where we stand, right? Mm -hmm. Other people might say, might hear what you're saying and say, well, no, like, you know, I, I think of it in a very different way because, you know, billionaire versus someone who, you know, is like, you know, making ends meet, you know, they might see that, see it as, as different, uh, even though you and I might not, it doesn't mean that, that another, I mean, yeah, there are the, there's, there are those other opinions and people definitely, you know, feel those ways, Yeah, but I don't agree, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who, who believe that. Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Dr. Nafis Alam. And I'm Lexi Wilson, a licensed master social worker. This has been Empowering the Opposition. See you next time.